Hello. Hey. We are we're back. Here. We're we back. <laughs> um, Andrew, I enjoyed your your podcast last week. <laughs> I don't remember any of it. Or was that just a yo can we live? Yeah, see now I can't remember. It was you and Zig. And, and old Zig. I'm gonna say I think it was regular ass podcast. This is easily something that could fit into our brains. Um, should yeah. I look it up on podcast? No, no, it was both. App? Okay, I remember now. It was both. I remember Zig listening to voicemails and praising the callers because he's like, "Wow, the callers have gotten less annoying." And then I remember on Yoke and We Live, which is our premium show, uh, which you can get to at suboptimalpods.com. Um, on Yoke and We Live, there was a lot of video game talk. I do have to yeah. Just call that. Hey, that's a compliment to me, so I'm fine with it. People love video games. Not me, but other people. Some people love video games, yeah. No, but it was a delight to hear old Ziggy baby back in the building. Um, This is the podcast, Yo, Is This Racist? I'm Tawny Newsom. That's Andrew T. Our producer, Kevin Bartelt. Uh, The aforementioned Zig is not here, even though we talked about him before we introduced ourselves. forever. Uh, um, but we do have a guest. You'll remember her from, I, I feel like anytime we have a guest now, it's like special. It's like a special occasion because we do it so infrequently. Yeah. Um, but really we just, we tend to just book people that we know and love already and want to talk to. And it's usually just folks that we're like talking with in Instagram DMs and then are like, Hey, you haven't been on the show in a minute. Do you want to come on and chat? So this was definitely one of those, one of those happy bookings. Um, you remember her from our special on was it a special? Those words feel bad, but it was a, the podcast we did on the overturning of Roe. So the least yeah. special day. There's never specials. No. Really fun time in our history. No. Only, although today we're going to talk Israel Palestine. So that's a yeah. equally ex- the upbeat topic. Yeah, this is a comedy podcast, but you know, uh, yeah. anyone who's listened to this for a while, you know the tonal struggles we have. Anyway. Our wonderful guest, writer and podcaster, Lux Alptrom is here. Hi, Lux. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Um, Thanks for being here. Yeah, I wish the world were not on fire. Uh, I wish I were here under happier circumstances, but, you know. uh, And I I guess the other disclaimer to put up top, uh, because this is entirely our thing, a couple of people have called in and they are correct that um, you're seeing the sort of massive deficiency in our very laissez-faire booking policy um, because, of course, it would be um, more than reasonable to have spoken to a Palestinian person at some point. And this is not going to uh, satisfy anyone, probably, to say we just didn't get our shit together Um that is just it. So yes, and sorry, I'm trying to pick my words. I'm not trying to take anything away from Lux while also just saying the truth of what is going on. It is very true. I I agree. I am just one person. Um, I'll give you my whole backstory in a second because I do think that's like some important context. But I am the first person to say that I am certainly not Palestinian. Uh, I have no ability to speak for Palestinians. I can only speak to my perspective as an Israeli American and a Jew and try to, I mean, what I, what I uh, kind of want to do today is to sort of explain why it seems like so many American Jews have lost their minds Um, Mm -hmm. and like what is going through, uh, what is going through people's heads right now. And I guess like, I feel like I have to issue a lot of disclaimers 
Because one thing I've discovered in this moment is that if you say, this is how people are thinking, people assume you are endorsing that thinking. And I often Mm. do not. I do not endorse anything um, that would justify the treatment of Palestinians, either right now when it's like really, really awful, or for the past many decades when they have lived under occupation, under an apartheid system, under a really unfair system. So like up top, I will just say like my own political stances are anti-occupation, anti-apartheid, anti-war, anti-Israel's fascist government. Like the government that's in Israel is hurting everybody. Um, Palestinians are suffering the most of all, but it's also a really horrible government that many Israelis were protesting before the war broke out. So it's just, it's a shit situation for everybody. And I'm very, very cognizant that, yeah, I can't speak for Palestinians, um, but I can give my own perspective and try to, I mean, so the, the stance that I take on a lot of this is like, if we want peace, we have to understand each other. And this yeah. is like a lot of people talking at each other and not listening. And there's a lot of awful things that people say that I'm like, I get why you're saying that. And I get why you don't sound like, I don't get that it's awful. And mm-hmm. so I just want to demystify some of that rather than like fuel this whole, like everybody's horrible. Right. Um, sure. Yeah. yeah. I love demystifying because it does, it, it, it's so hard to not just become really angry at some of the takes online and then want to just shoot back yeah. or fire back or even fire back with quote unquote facts that someone like me has newly garnered or newly yeah. learned, even the most vetted information when I'm doing my very best to, to vet the info, I'd be lying if I said I, I didn't really start learning about this in, in earnest, this entire region until the last maybe two years of my life, which is both both shameful as like a, a political person in the world, but also shame on our education system here. Shame on all of the money I paid to my college to not tell me yeah. anything about this. Um, I've got great yeah. mime skills, though. Thank you. Shout out to DePaul. Yeah. I mean, I went to a fucking college that is, uh, uh, with its actions, very clearly uh, mm-hmm. putting its thumb on one side of the scale at Columbia University, um, which is, yeah. I'm also a Columbia alum, and it yeah. is, uh, well. So I'm, I'm lucky I went to mime school then, because yeah. at least I got <laughs> where, where, nothing. Listen. I, I think the other thing too is like just you know we we obviously our tone goes back and forth but like one of the reasons we need dis- demystifying is Tani and I are some of the most mystified people just around generally so it's always helpful we all don't know what we don't know yeah so let me just explain my backstory because I have a very atypical like story and experience that is part of why I feel like oh I can understand a lot of like Mm. different perspectives um so we're gonna start uh post-holocaust my dad's parents were holocaust survivors they met in a displaced persons camp my grandfather had actually been like raised zionist in his shtetl in poland they like wanted a jewish state all of that not shocking because they were in a shtetl in poland which fucking sucks um and so he actually wanted to go to israel after the war my grandmother did not my grandmother when they got the visa for israel was like no 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 we are going to the United States because that's where my brothers are. And they actually had to go through like some shenanigans to get their U.S. visas. One of my uncles was born in France, but his American paperwork says he was born in Germany because in order to get a visa for the U.S., they had to pretend that they had been in Germany the whole time. Oh, so wow. it was a 
yeah, not a small matter to come to the U.S. Uh, meanwhile, my great aunt Zahava and her husband Tzvi, they were just like, we're going to Israel. And so they go to Israel. They eventually join what's called the Moshav, which is a collective farm. It's not quite as hippy-dippy as a kibbutz, but it's on the spectrum. Um, and so, you know, my dad's cousins grew up there. I have second cousins there. I haven't, don't really know them. I haven't seen them in decades, but I did once visit their dairy farm and smell a lot of cow shit. So that's like part of my story. The other part is that my parents in the mid seventies, um, not really knowing what they're doing with their lives. My mom gets an opportunity to go teach in Israel. So they're like, great, we're going to go there. Uh, they move out there with my brother. And they end up spending seven years there. In that seven years, my sister is born and I am born in the final year. So my sister and I both Israeli by birth. Um, she was five when they left. I was one when they left. While my parents were in Israel, like number one, they spent a lot of time with that great aunt and uncle and the cousins on the Moshav. And they sort of saw firsthand like, wow, this country has given Holocaust survivors a chance at having like a stable, happy life. But also... My dad served in the IDF and was stationed in the West Bank. And even then, even back in the 70s and 80s, my dad was deeply uncomfortable with what he saw. And that experience, and I only know bits and pieces of it. He never told me in full detail, but I know he saw Israeli soldiers abusing Palestinians. That started to kind of shift him away from Zionism. I think that was the first thing. And so, like I said, they came to the U.S. when I was a baby I was raised in a Reconstructionist, which is also kind of like hippy-dippy social justice Judaism. I was raised in a Reconstructionist synagogue, and it was a synagogue that was specifically founded by a rabbi who had gotten fired from his first congregation job because he had given a pro-Palestinian speech on Yom Kippur, I think. So the synagogue that I joined was founded on the basis of Palestinian rights, but it was also liberal Zionist. So it was very like, we love Israel, we support Palestinians. We want a two-state solution. And this is also like, I was a kid in the early 90s. So I remember Rabin, I remember all of this. I remember like Oslo Accords and really feeling hopeful. And then, you know, Rabin gets shot, it all goes to shit. And that's around the time when I, I was in college, 99 2003, and that's when birthright starts. And I just at that point sort of, I'm like, I'm emotionally checking out of all this. I don't want anything to do with Israel at all. Like not pro, not against, like my brain is shutting off. I feel shame about being Israeli, but I don't know how to deal with any of this. And I was kind of like stuck in that. Like, I guess I'm a liberal Zionist. I believe in this two state solution. I don't want to think about it until about six years ago when I just was in a discussion with somebody online and I was just trying to defend Zionism in this like liberal Zionist fashion and being like, you know, you can want a Jewish state and want to support the Palestinians. And I went back to look for writing that that rabbi that I mentioned had written because I was like, well, I trust him. He was so human rights focused. What is he saying? And I found an I found essays from him where he talked about how he had had to give up Zionism because as he saw, like he grew up in South Africa um, and he as Israel's abuse of Palestinians got worse and worse, he had said, like, you know, I can't deny that this feels like apartheid. I grew up in apartheid South Africa. That's what this feels like. I cannot support this. And he kind of had to distance himself from Zionism. And I, at that point, was like, well, shit, this is like my moral lodestar. If he can't identify with Zionism anymore, I don't think I can. And so... 
it was really hard. It's like, it's a real grief process to give up um, Zionism, which we can talk more about, but I eventually came to where I am now, where I was like, okay, I'm a non-Zionist. Um, I oppose Zionism because I oppose ethno-nationalism. I don't think Zionism itself is some like unique Jewish conspiracy that's uniquely evil. I think it's a response to a larger global system of ethno-nationalism and oppression. And it's an attempt to keep Jews safe in a really harsh world that naturally just sort of leads to the oppression of other people because ethno, like this peaceful ethno-nationalism shit, that's kind of a myth. Um, and so that's where I'm at. I don't, but can you, sorry to interrupt you, I guess. Yeah. Can you talk yeah. about that? Like what, why you feel that's a myth? Cause okay. I mean, I, I had to think a lot about this because a lot of people, um, We'll say like, look, like we we just want a Jewish state, right? Like, what's wrong with wanting a Jewish state? And I get that urge, but when you think about it, it's like, okay, well, first of all, what does it mean to have a Jewish state? Because Zionism means a lot of different things to a lot of people. For some people, I really yeah. think they want a secular state where it's just like Passover is a national holiday. Like that's really like as far as their mind goes. They're like, Jews can get citizenship and be safe, and like it's a secular state, and whatever, it's fine. But in order for a state to be Jewish, it kind of has to be majority Jewish. And once the charter of your state requires it to maintain a majority of a certain kind of people, then you're getting into really iffy territory, because how do you maintain that? And that's the tension, like, between, like, Israel being Jewish and a democracy. Like, how can you be both? And, like, right. what if... If there are more Palestinians than Jews, is it no longer a Jewish state? Or And so I was just like, yeah, yeah, I just, the math on this works out bad. And like, I think like maybe you can like luck into it being good. But I was just sort of like, okay, I understand the appeal of a Jewish state. I understand the appeal of like a place where being Jewish is normal. But I just don't see how you maintain this in a good way. Um, right. As as far as like nation goes. As far as right. like a nation state. Because like the, the soft version of what you're talking about is essentially could be the United States or Canada or whatever. Like, right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's what I always try to push. Because there's a lot of people who haven't done as much thinking as I have. And are like kind of where I was seven years ago. And those people are the ones who I think are like really losing their minds right now. Um, because they're being told Zionism is racism. Zionism means you hate Palestinians. And they're like, no, but Zionism just means that like, I love Jews. I don't understand. And, you know, they're like America and all these countries are basically Christian countries. And there's all these Muslim majority countries. And there's all these other countries that are like built around other religions. So why is it wrong when Jews want that? Like, why is that racist? And like I said, like, it's really, really hard. I had to do a lot of thinking. I am very yeah. fortunate that I did a lot of thinking before a really horrific war broke out. Um, mm. But I think those people haven't done that thinking and then they feel attacked and then they're like going into a corner and like yeah. freaking out. And and because and because people are rightfully very angry and are, you know, calling with with such passion for this ceasefire and and, and in support of Palestinian people, people can be inelegant. And so if you're already in a fragile, or not fragile, but yeah, if you're already in a, in a place where you haven't interrogated your beliefs about this too much, and then suddenly everyone's calling you a racist. And yeah, I, I can see why, I can see why if you haven't done the work to sort of really vet your own opinion, or even if you have, it's just, 
Yeah. Well, the the thing that seems like that's happening with the loudest folks in comedy is that it, which sort of makes sense, is that their their next response is, "Well, then you're you're racist or you're anti-Semitic for saying that I'm that this is racist," and then that's where it immediately is like, "Oh my god, okay." Yeah. No, I've so it sucks. Um, and like I, this is very like I like gotta walk a tightrope now. Yeah. I have seen a lot of people say things that I think are anti-Semitic. Um, I have seen people denying that the uh, October 7th massacre even happened. I've seen people just like questioning all of that. I've seen people making fun of the dead people. Like I, there was, you know, the, the rave and people, people seem to think number one, that the rave was like right next to the Gaza fence. It was several miles from it. I think I'm closer to Rikers Island than the rave was to Gaza which like morally doesn't really make a distinction to me anyway, because it's like there are people suffering and you're having a party and like whatever. It doesn't really matter where you are in proximity. Um, but, you know, it was not right there. I think. And, and in Israel, because Israel is like, the size of New Jersey, maybe like you're always right by the West Bank. You're always right by Gaza. And if you live in Israel, anything that you do that's you having a good time is like in close proximity to suffering. So there's that. But, you know, people have this idea. They're like, oh, it was like people just went to a rave right outside an open air prison. Like, that's so disgusting. And like, what kind of horrible person does that? And I think even even if that's true, let's say let's say it like was a party right outside the fence and it was with the intention of mocking Gazans or something like that. Like, does that serve the death penalty? I don't right. think so. <laughs> like, that's that's where it it gets uncomfortable for me. So, so yeah, so I've just seen stuff like that. That was like, this been really painful. I've seen also just a lot of like assumptions that all Israelis are racist, this like flattening of Israelis, many of whom are either refugees or descendants of refugees who didn't have anywhere else to go. There's just this automatic assumption that like everybody who moved to Israel moved there because they hate Palestinians and wanted to kill Palestinians and steal their land. And it's like, no, there's like Holocaust survivors are one wave. Um, around the time Israel was founded, there was a massive uptick in anti-Semitism in like a lot of Middle Eastern and North African countries. And often like in response to the formation of Israel, um, a lot of Jews got kicked out of all of these countries. Like about 50% of Israeli Jews are Mizrahi, which means they're from North Africa or the Middle East. So these are like... Um, you know, Algerian Jews, Persian Jews, Iraqi Jews, Tunisian Jews. And so it's weird when people are like, oh, go back to Poland. And it's like, these, these people are from Tunisia. These people are like from Yemen um, or their ancestors are. And their ancestors got kicked out. Israel took them in. They came. Like Now their kids live there and they don't have another citizenship. And it it sucks. It really sucks. And so that like lack of understanding that that it's not people like actively being like, let me go take part in this anti-Palestinian project. Although some people are like, you have Americans moving to the West Bank now. Yeah, that's really, really fucked up. But there's a range of experiences is what I'm trying to say. And that's been taken away. Yeah, it's, it's, it's strange for me to see people not understand that not all Israelis share the same views as their government when we live fucking here. And that's one thing that I feel like people of color (laughs) are, people of color are so used to being out of step with this bullshit ass country that like, I I don't see as much confusion coming from black and brown people about that. We're like, yeah, 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 we get that 
is all Israelis are not the state of Israel. We we fully get that because I ain't this dusty ass place. When Trump was in power, I his shit did not represent me one bit. So that's very that's a very comfortable understanding for me. Conveniently, the U.S. doesn't represent us often. (laughs) Yeah, I've grown up. When have they ever represented me? For like 10 minutes during Obama before he started dropping a bunch of bombs on people. But but yeah, before he started doing stuff. I will also, though, Obama inauguration, this country represented me. (laughs) I will also say just just to not counterpoint, but sort of in addition also, though, I feel like the other thing, too, is that on on the sort of mirror of the rhetoric like people of color are also like take it less personally when for instance like the united states is criticized you know american people of color you know we get it we we get that you don't mean us when you criticize the united states which i think is the other side that is Mm -hmm. like i it's just another thing that i also see happening which is like i see folks that are like reacting to criticisms of israel and the answer should really be we're not talking about you unless you're taking this a really specific way that maybe then means we are talking about you. Yeah, it's well, so okay, so there's a lot of things going on, but yeah. I'm Sorry. trying to think where to start. No, no, no. I mean, so first of all, I just want to say because I don't think people understand this the current prime minister of Israel, uh, Benjamin Netanyahu, is basically Israel's Trump. Except in Israel, prime ministers are not term limited. So he has been prime minister for, I think, like 16 years. He's not consecutively, but the last time I was in Israel was 1996 and he was prime minister. And now he's prime minister, like, again. And off and on, he has been, like, prime minister a lot. And he has cozied up to, like, the crazy, crazy genocidal right. And they say a lot of really horrible things. Um, and there, it's also, it's not even just that they're anti-Palestinian, they're anti-Jews who are not like the extreme right-wing Jews, which is yeah. part of why there are all these protests. They're trying yeah. to make it a like really right-wing theocracy. And so like, there's all of that in the mix, number one. But then it's also like, people get frustrated because people are like, oh, Israel, Israelis are all white. Or try to like port a American racial framework onto Israel. And it's right. like... Number one, if you're talking about just like the way that people look, like there isn't actually that much of a distinction between a lot of Palestinians and a lot of Jews in Israel. Like there's a mix. A lot, like I said earlier, like a lot of Jews are from Arab states and they yeah. functionally look like other Arabs. And then there's Ethiopian Jews who are black and there's not a lot of them. I think it's like 3% of Israel's Jews, but they are there. And many of them are very Zionist. Um, likewise, a lot of the Arab, the, um, Mizrahi Jews are very Zionist. And so there's this weird, like, attempt to be like, oh, it's like the white people who are the problem in Israel, just like the white people are the problem in the U.S. And it's like, I mean, a lot of the Ashkenazi Jews, which is, you know, of European descent, kind of like the quote unquote whitest, um, a lot of them are more politically liberal than the black and brown Jews, which is, it's just like, it's a, I don't even want to get into the whole discussion, but just to say it's a foreign country with its own system. Um, Yeah. That's a good point is that not to think that we can place our lens of race and color or anything over, over any other country. Cause it just, it's not a one-to-one. The other thing too, and this is where like people who haven't done a lot of thinking, I think get, knee-jerk, like, I am being attacked, I'm going to attack everyone. Um, I've started to see people 
if they're not saying Israeli, they say Zionist as kind of a slur. And like, and talking about Zionist as like the most racist, bigoted type of Israel supporter, right? And Zionism is a lot of things. Like the, what, the version of Zionism that people are most familiar with is political Zionism, which is about Israel as a state. But there's other forms. Um, there is like religious Zionism, which is just this kind of like religious belief that Jews have a connection to this land. Um, there's cultural Zionism, and I'm being like very glib here, but like cultural Zionism is like Jews should have a shared language of Hebrew and Jews should like have a connection to this land. But neither one of those is about like a modern nation state. And even people who support the modern nation state, a lot of them are like, well, we need Israel because there's global anti-Semitism and Jews kind of need this backstop as a safe place. But also I support Palestinian rights. I support Palestinians um, having their own state. Like there are Palestinian citizens of Israel and there are people who identify as Zionist who will still tell you that they want Israel to be multicultural, to have religious pluralism, to have a thriving, um, it's sometimes called like Arab Israeli or Palestinian citizens of Israel population. And again, like they might be not thinking through their arguments. That's a theory, theory, not practice kind of. Right. Uh, right. But this is like what they're thinking. And then they get told like you're racist because you think Israel should be a state and they just shut down. And I, that's what I see happening a lot. And they feel like very attacked and, and I mean, I, I really don't want to minimize the fact that over a thousand Jews were, or not even just Jews, over a thousand Israelis and some like Thai workers and all of that, um, and some Palestinians too, were slaughtered in incredibly brutal and horrific ways. And that was barely a month ago. And it's very weird to me that people just sort of expect that people are going to move on from that. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like, that's really like, how long did, like... I haven't moved on from 9-11. Like, I'm still kind of <laughs> fucked over that. And it's like, that 9-11 was not as bad as uh, what happened on October 7th. And so there is just this, like, weird, like, not giving a lot of space. But for me, like, so much of this is, like, so many traumatized people who are only thinking about their own trauma and, like, can't hear anybody else's pain and then just start yelling at each other. And then, like, people who aren't associated with this picking sides and um, throwing flame, throwing fuel on the fire. And it gets really bad. Like, I don't, I don't even personally like this, like, are you pro-Israel or pro-Palestinian framing? Like, that's very stressful to me because I'm like, I'm pro-people not dying. I'm pro-everybody having rights. Um, I I feel like that's so hard because then the rest of the conflict is so clearly asymmetric that, like, I guess it's just so impossible to talk without, like, caveat after caveat after caveat (laughs) no i think for me like the people who i'm like oh i can like i find a lot of comfort in what these people are saying are actually a lot of like the israeli left and the israeli left is pretty marginalized especially now that it's wartime but like there's a vigil going on in brooklyn today that's like it's a vigil for ceasefire and the release of the hostages um it is you know a vigil to hope for the end of the uh, the end of apartheid, the end of occupation, like the end of the oppression of Palestinian citizens of Israel, and they're just sort of like like putting it all together. Like they're just saying we want everybody in this region to live safely because we know that when anybody here is not safe, none of us are safe. And like, yeah. that's the framing that I like. Like um, there's this group that I am obsessed with. This is what I, what I DM'd Tani about, Omdi mm-hmm. Biachad, which means like standing together. 
they're a Jewish Arab solidarity network in Israel, Palestine. And they're working to, uh, they're co-led by a, uh, a Jewish Israeli, Elon Green, uh, Elon Lee Green, sorry, and a Palestinian citizen of Israel, Sally Abed. And they're just like, look, their whole thing, which I think is like the most basic way to think about this is they're like, there's millions of Israelis and there's millions of Palestinians and nobody is going anywhere. It is delusional to think you're going to get rid of one of these populations. So we need to learn to work together and we need to build peace. And doing that means getting rid of the occupation, getting rid of apartheid, getting rid of all of this, like making it a truly equal society. But it also means like recognizing that Hamas is a right wing fascist fundamentalist group that's not really looking for peace. It's not looking for coexistence. It's looking to to fuel a forever war. And it means right. also looking like BB wants a forever war. That it's like yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they are allies in the real project, which is yeah. just stay in power through violence and retribution forever. Yeah. And like, you know, I there's a lot of things that are like very fair and justifiable to bring up about the history. And I think absolutely, if you, especially if you look from like 1948, Israel has disproportionately harmed Palestinians and whatever violence you can bring up the Palestinians have done, Israel has always dealt back like 10 times worse. That's their whole thing. And like, you can like get stuck in this argument about like, well, you did this and you did that. And you can go all the way back to the destruction of the temple in like set the year 70 or whenever it was. Um, and I think that's kind of a time suck and that all we should be doing is saying like, right now there's a war, the war needs to end. And then we need to figure out how everybody can live peacefully together and have all of their rights and like, just like make a better future. Like I'm, I'm kind of like a no borders person and I'm not a nationalist. So I'm not like waving any flags. I'm not gonna, I just, yeah. Like I'm against, literally against all ethno nationalism. So like, yeah. Jewish ethno-nationalism and Palestinian ethno-nationalism are not, neither of those is appealing to me. I just sort right. of want a secular, like, like I would love like the Edward Said vision of just the one state solution. It's a secular state and Jews and Palestinians live there together. I would love that. Is that feasible? I don't know. I am not a yeah. global leader, but. <laughs> Thankfully, neither are we. <laughs> well, and it gets further and further just because, yeah, just because it keeps like, yeah, every every one of these just makes it further from that because it is just like, you know, there's just revenge and suffering and yeah. Yeah. I also I was just going to say as a, you know, as a black person, I don't know there were never any, you know, tales told to young black children about our ethno state. Like we, we black Americans, we don't have any maybe some people kind of had the like, when you go back to Africa, it'll feel like home. And then I think a lot of discussion happened after a lot of us did start making some money and then quote, go back to Africa and realized it did not feel like home and we were not <laughs> treated like we were from there because we're not anymore. So the idea of any sort of ethno state is just n nothing that I identify with because I, I, it's it hasn't been glamorized for me. It hasn't been it's just never been an option. So I just find myself so fundamentally unable to have these conversations because I really don't have any perspective on what that's yeah, like. Yeah, I think yeah. it feels very foreign to a lot of like American born people of color because we're just like, you know, it, this is not to draw any 
real similarities other than saying, even when I spent time in China, it's like very clear I'm not from there. To yeah, yeah. to me, to them, everyone. So like, yeah. So so I think that's that's maybe the thing that Tanya and I both kind of feel. And I feel like a lot of like, again, like people of color born in America, which is just like, yeah, I don't know. I just never had a place like in that way. So it's not even like a thing that I miss. It's like, it's like yeah. when you like realize that, you know, there's like, uh, people, the people who are atheists who are just like, I just don't know. I just never had a need or a th- thought or it's like a hole I didn't think I had. And I still don't, I guess, in terms yeah. of religion. Um, mm. Sorry. Yeah. No, I was going to say, though, like the clo- one of the closest analogs to Israel is Liberia, which was a sort of back mm. to Africa movement of like mm-hmm. formerly enslaved people. We'll send them to Africa because we don't really want them here. And then it mm-hmm. also ended very badly. <laughs> It ended right. like formerly enslaved people enslaving Africans and not, not good, not good. Yeah. Um, yeah. A lot of this stuff, like when you are just like, let's just like let traumatized people go live in a place where there's another population that maybe doesn't want them there. Like, it's just not going to end well. Like, yeah. Human history goes bad. Right. Yeah. yeah. Displacing people in general, never a good idea. Yeah. And then um, also, uh, no, I... I was just going to say, too, like, I know it's it's very rough in Hollywood. I have seen and cringed over so many. It's rough. So many yeah. posts. And it's, again, well, the, the one thing that I will say, too, that I think is also, like, a thing that people miss is that anti-Semitism is real and it exists. It is not necessarily comparable to what is happening to Palestinians right now, but like all around the globe, like there are people violently attacking Jews. There are this, there is that. It gets conflated with this idea that anything pro-Palestinian is inherently anti-Semitic, but like right. there is there is enough anti-Semitism and violent anti-Semitism and like synagogues getting bombed and all of that, that anybody who's Jewish can latch onto that and feel afraid. Like there is a legitimate reason to be afraid. You are less safe as a Jew than you are as a regular old white person, even if you are safer than somebody in Gaza. And so that's like this weird thing that because people are not very smart, like they can't grasp all of this. And so they're like, well, either Jews are harm, either like Jews are at risk and Palestinians deserve what they get or Palestinians are at risk and Jews are completely safe. And it's like, no, it's a spectrum of awfulness. Well, so often I just find people aren't, uh, yeah, people just aren't practiced in having any sorts of conversations about race, even people of color or, you know, so many people just don't do this. And again, it's Andrew and I never say that we're experts, but we just have logged so many hours in talking about these things that like. (laughs) We're passionate and ill-informed amateurs. (laughs) But we are, but we are people who have, yeah, we have a lot of practice, even if our takes aren't always correct. We have practice having the conversations. And so what I'm seeing a lot of online right now are thousands and thousands of people who have zero practice having these conversations and who are just flailing in the dark. And you get really high profile, rich, relatively safe in their fucking Malibu homes ass people saying the wildest shit I've ever seen. Yeah. and it's really, it's really fucked up because I think in a year, 
in two years, in six months, some someone's going to wake some of these people up and they're going to be horrified at what they've been saying. Yeah. yeah. And I, I also want to acknowledge like people who have come from like colonized people, people who have experienced violence, like it's triggering them. Like it's just, it's mm. triggering a lot of emotions in a lot of people in a way that's not always helpful for, yeah. for like having sober <laughs> Any conversation. Yeah. I, I will say a little bit of the, the thing that, I, I've been seeing with, again, it's like, actually, you know, please, uh, Lex, correct me when yeah. I say something wrong here, which is that this like kind of cohort of like very well-to-do white Jewish, often Americans expressing like their their, their feelings on anti-Semitism. I guess to me, it feels so much like when, um, you know, a couple years ago when Asian people were being attacked and often very rich East Asian, very privileged um, people in Hollywood too, but other places as well, like didn't have any experience of uh, talking about like the bigotry they express without acknowledging or understanding the privilege that they also have. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, East Asian people, especially it's like, yes, of course we are a visible ethnic minority, but we are also put forth as the model one by white people. And that does confer actual ass privileges that, exist yeah i mean you keep seeing this whole like we stood with you for black lives matter yes. why aren't you standing for-? and it's just like and i mean i do think that like people should be acknowledging that a horrible massacre happened people should be acknowledging that there are still hundreds of hostages being held in gaza right like those are horrible things are they as horrible as the bombing in gaza no but they are still like really yeah. really horrible and like the fact that again, like people feel like they have to declare allegiance to one side yeah. is is just I, harming them. Like, yeah, I mean, the hostage <sighs> poster stuff is depressing me because I'm like, I hate that. Like, anytime somebody talks about the hostages, I have to feel like, but do you also recognize right. that it's horrific what's happening in Gaza or like vice versa? I'm like, it's all bad. Yeah. I don't want people to be suffering. Yeah, I feel like I, the the hostage poster is kind of being used. Not entirely, sorry. The, the the worst version of the hostage poster is sort of being used to me like like a sort of white lives matter thing or all lives matter, which is like saying something that is indisputably true, but as a rhetorical cudgel for a different thing. Well, and it's impossible to know what people yeah. intend when they post. So I am trying to just take every, uh, again, like I, I just keep saying this, week after week, which I know some of you think is cowardly and maybe does sound like an all lives matter thing, but not some of you. I mean, some of our listeners might think it's cowardly, but I truly do just reject any notion that having empathy for all people affected by this makes me any less devoted to freedom and a ceasefire. And, uh, you know, all the things that I believe, I'm still able to have uh, as much empathy for everyone killed, everyone impacted by this. And the, the sources that I look to that bring me comfort are the people that are able to affirm that and not make me feel like looking at a hostage poster means I'm any less devoted to the Palestinian cause. Yeah. And I mean, one of the things that people don't understand in an American context is that in Israel, like Bibi and the government have basically abandoned the hostages. It's been five weeks. They care way more about bombing. They may have already killed some of the hostages. Like the hostage families are furious. It took weeks for the government to even meet with them. So certainly in in Israeli context, raising awareness of the hostages is not pro right. BB. It's right. not pro the government. It's very anti like, the protests about the hostages. Awful. 
And so when people in America are like these hostage posters are pro BB, I'm just like, I mean, but I get it's the same thing with like from the river to the sea. It's like what people hear and what people intend. There's a disconnect and everybody's like, well, if I if this is how I hear it, it must be what you are saying. And and nobody wants to take a beat and be like, let's have let's assume good faith. Let's assume good faith Mm -hmm. and talk about that. Lots of people are hurting. Everybody just wants to be not everybody. No, I'm doing bad faith. Many people are just very in pain hearing something that sounds like it's attacking them and then assuming Mm -hmm. that they must be correct and firing back and making the situation worse. And I've been like really trying to avoid that. Like I, anytime I post, like I will post about Israeli stuff just because that's the perspective I can give. And people will see me just kind of trying to be like, look, Israelis are people, Israelis have like diverse opinions like, this is kind of like how Israelis might hear what you're saying. And people will respond to me like, oh, so you support genocide? And right. I'm like, no, I said that I didn't. But I've like tried to just go to people and be like, you know, I don't think that this is actually helping the Gazans for you to be fighting with somebody who agrees with you. And like, no. like let's think of more constructive uses of your time. And like, not even trying to like bait or engage people, but just be like, look, I agree with you. Gazans are suffering. What can we do? That's not just like assuming the worst of me because I was born in Israel. Is mm-hmm. speaking of that, and as we kind of like um, near the end of our time, is yeah, because I think a lot of unfortunately, I mean, this is the podcast, obviously, as another thing that is just on the internet and it's just words. Um, is you know the amount of disproportionate time. I think this. I'm about to say something that. The obvious retort is that's a you problem, not a world problem. However, um, the amount of this that seems to be happening online, where it is like this, like argument with like any given, you know, hardline supporter of anything or whatever. Like it is infuriating, but pretty empty. Like there's no there's no argument that is going to change fucking anything on Twitter or whatever. Um, yeah, I guess my question or just like thing to like think about in general for listeners maybe is like, you know, what the fuck else (laughs) is there once you've had your little arguments, if you must like do something else. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of groups that you can give money to. I think, you know, obviously like Doctors Without Borders and AmeriCares are doing like on the ground relief work, um, I think there's like the Palestinian Youth Fund or Palestinian Children's Fund or something is a good one. Um, I am going to plug Omdim Biafad again because I think that they are doing the kind of like necessary work to uh, get to build empathy and to fight anti-Palestinian racism within Israel. Um, There's like, yeah, there's just like a lot of groups you can give money to. Uh, there's you can go to demonstrations. I always encourage any ceasefire, any pro peace, pro Palestinian demonstration. Sure, go to all of that. Like, go to stuff to encourage bringing the hostages home. Especially if you can go to rallies that are both pro like ending war for everybody, pro ceasefire, pro hostages coming home, pro um, enfranchising Palestinians. Like, I think the strongest messages are the ones that recognize that. Again, it's so basic, but no one is free until everyone is free. And that like, it's not that Palestinian freedom doesn't take anything away from Israelis. It makes society better for everybody. 
Yeah. And I think like that's the message that needs to be because we can see right now it's like when Palestinians are oppressed and violently oppressed, all it does is create more violence for everybody. And it's horrible. <sighs> nice light topic. Sorry. I know I, no, it was needed. And I, we're so grateful to you. I We were going to do voicemails, but it just it felt like we should just. You yeah. Know. Yeah. yeah. Th- this yeah. topic obviously deserves so much more. And um Unfortunately, I don't see this war ending anytime soon, so there will be plenty of opportunities for this podcast in its limited capacity to have people on who are smarter than us. Um, yeah, it is It is it. the the standard disclaimer also. Like, we are recording this far enough ahead of time that we don't know what the fuck is going to have happened. I mean, yeah. again, if you were a betting person, I think it's safe to say it doesn't look good, but of course, we don't know. But we're so appreciative to you, Yeah, Lux, thank you, Lux. Yeah, like I said, this was just, you know, this just came about from like us us DMing and you know, it it's so it's so strange to book for this show cuz you never want to feel like you're going out and just like token fishing like cuz I think Andrew yeah. and I have both been <laughs> tokens when yeah. like suddenly, you know, some black man gets shot by the cops and I'm getting texts from like comedians I've never met before being like, oh. "Want to come do my podcast?" And you're just like, yeah. So, you know, just so that our listeners know how this came about, this was a very organic conversation between the two of us yeah. where um, I, I was so grateful you wanted to come on and share your thoughts and didn't want you yeah. to do it if it was a burden. So uh, thank you for being willing. No, no, I just hope, I hope it helped. And yeah, like I, I tweeted earlier today, I was just like, you know, I just want like non-Jews to realize that anti-Semitism is real and that it's not like something, it's not just paranoia. And I want Jews to realize that anti-Semitism is not justification for harming other people. Like it's, you know, yeah. real yeah. Real peace, Nick. Stuff. <laughs> Pretty like, basic I'm, shit. Pretty basic shit that seems hard yeah. to grasp. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I never like when people are like, "Oh, it's not complicated," because I think that that sort of like glosses over like the tie that many groups have ties to the region and there's complicated yeah. history and all that. But like, and it's like just saying like, lot millions of people live there. They're gonna keep living there. Um, they shouldn't kill each other. That is pretty like kindergarten level morality. Like. <laughs> That part's very basic, like end apartheid, pretty, pretty simple. And yet it's never been simple in the past, <laughs> ending apartheid. Yeah. Always Somehow, takes forever, yeah. Somehow, a, a, a real problem people have. People apparently yeah. just really love apartheid for reasons I don't get. <laughs> Oof, it's rough. Um, I was going to give everyone a chance in case there's anything that's been giving them any hope or like any peace or anything that they want to plug. I, I can start. Um, I think we might have men- mentioned it before, but the uh, If Not Now organization, If Not Now, uh, has been really helpful. It's um, I think it's from the point of view of mostly American Jews or is it an international org? Uh, I, I think, think it's pretty much American. OK, yeah. And it's, uh, you know leftist Jews who are holding space for kind of everything that we've discussed today. And it's felt, uh, yeah, that's felt hopeful. So check them out on Instagram and Twitter. Yeah. I was going to say the ethnically ambiguous podcast did a, you know, they are very pro Palestinian, um, but you know, (laughs) they did a better job of articulating, I'm sure some things than, than uh, obviously any of us here could. Yeah, I mean, for me, uh, the peace activists who are still, who are uh, in Palestine and in Israel who have not given up hope for peace, even as 
they've lost family members, even as they've seen real intense violence up close. Um, yeah. That's what gives me hope right now. Cause I'm like, they're in it and they're still fighting for it. And like, I know I mentioned, yeah. well, I constantly talk about Omdin Biachad because they have been like my lifeline, yeah. but there's a lot there. There are a bunch of people. I mean, another one, I think his name is Maoz Inon, but he lost both his parents on October 7th. And he's like, I'm even more committed to peace because I mm. don't, want anyone else to have to suffer what I have suffered. And I think yeah. just seeing that and seeing the people who were directly affected and yeah, and want to end violence because of that has given me hope that, you know, there are people who don't just immediately use their pain to fuel other people's pains. Right. Yeah. That's a word right there. Uh, Lux, thank you so much. This was really helpful. Yeah, thanks we for really being here. Appreciate yeah. you. Um, totally. Is there anything you want to tell people about or tell them where to find you? Um, so I am sadly still on Twitter slash X <laughs> um, at Lux Alptrom. I'm also on Blue Sky. If anyone like needs a Blue Sky invite, hit me up. I have a bunch. <laughs> do we need uh, to go over there? Is that a thing that we got to do now? I, I mean, it's, it's like if you just want. If you want like Twitter but more chill, like that's basically what it is. Like, there's a yeah. bunch of people over there. Um, I'm just addicted to posting, so I was posting like, something. I yeah, be here. Yeah. Um, Can someone make an app that just posts the same thing to everything? That's what I want. Yeah. They they used to have. I don't know if they've done that for like Blue Sky and Threads or whatever. But like, I used to have that for Mastodon and Twitter, but I don't oh, even know Mastodon. All right. <laughs> and then yeah, yeah. <laughs> And then I, yeah, and I'm still on Instagram as Lux Nightmare, but, you know, I'm, I'm I like around. that name. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good name. Uh, um, nice. All right. Awesome. Well, you know where to find us, mainly here every Wednesday. Just just listen to the podcast. Yeah. Don't don't follow me on social. I don't care. Three two three three eight nine seven two two three. We'll probably do a voicemail eventually. Yeah. <laughs> we'll definitely get back to some voicemails next week. Tune in for the regular yeah. run-of-the-mill everyday racism. One day I will get to do voicemails. Oh, I'm yeah, gonna, yeah, exactly. Last time. Even, yeah. You just come in, you come in and you have knowledge and we're like, oh, we should just do this. Oh, that's fuck. A, that's a problem. Right. You got to come in like less competent next, to- next time. Yeah. I, book me when it's not a world crisis and we can just talk some chill voicemails. Uh, that's a great note, actually. No, yeah. Note taken. <laughs> that's on us. Right. That's on us. That's on us. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye. This is so optimal.